Hi, this is Charles Linden. Uh, I just wanted to introduce myself and I wanted you to understand where I'm coming from uh, as an ex-sufferer of anxiety disorders, but also somebody who spent the last um, 15 and a half years helping tens of thousands of people to recover. Um, just an introduction to, to myself, first of all, to, to, to my experiences as a sufferer. And I think I was pretty extreme. I suffered from, from childhood, from very early childhood, with, with high anxiety, with morbid thoughts, um, with separation anxiety. And this developed into, into panic attacks at the age of about four or five. And although they were spasmodic and they happened irregularly, I used to cry myself to, to sleep most nights. Um, I'd have thoughts about myself dying and other people dying. Um, and those kind of existentialist thoughts that, that uh, I know now that they're existentialist thoughts. At the time, I just thought they were thoughts about who I was, my position in the world, uh, you know, and about the great unknown, really. As I went into, into my teen years, um, things started to get a little bit worse because as I started to be more socially aware and more aware of myself as a human, I started having thoughts about dying and the thoughts about collapsing and losing consciousness, about things happening to my family and friends whilst I was at school. I developed school phobia. Um, at the age of 12, I was on antidepressants at school for panic attacks and school phobia, and things got pretty bad. Uh, I would cry every break time. I would go and find the... Uh, I'd be found hidden in the in the uh, the telephone kiosk under the stairs in the main building, phoning my mum, begging for her to come and pick me up. And I was being picked on as well at school a little bit. I was a bit chubby. I looked a little bit girlish. You know, it was the 70s. I wasn't particularly um, the most attractive boy. I looked more like a young girl with long hair. And, um, it, it, so it wasn't, it wasn't a comfortable time for me at all. As I moved later in, into, into uh, late teens, I, I became more sporty. I mean, I was very good at rugby, so that helped. And, and so my confidence grew a little bit. But even so, you know, going away on, on rugby tours, my, I'd be anxious. Uh, I'd often have a panic attack on the coach. I wouldn't, I'd never go to things like scout camps or, um, you know, opportunities to go abroad on, on skiing trips or going on holiday with friends or those sorts of things became almost impossible for me. You know, my mind was already way off in the distance, catas catastrophizing about the most awful things um, whilst my friends were getting excited about going on the, tra the camping trip or the... Uh, you know, the uh, the day out to France or whatever it was. So, really, really struggled all through my teens. Um, as I say, I was medicated on a couple of occasions. I, I often said that I was too scared to live and too scared to die. The the obsessive thoughts were, were pretty overwhelming. I get thoughts about harming people. I get, you know, during my early teens, it was, it was thoughts about sexuality and homosexuality and questioning, you know, these what-if thoughts about, you know, what if I'm gay, what if I'm not, what, you know, and about sexuality itself. And then there'd be the aggressive ones, you know, what if I harm that person, what if I attack that person, what if I hit that person. And I now know that these thoughts are completely normal during high anxiety, but at the time, I thought it was completely crazy, as you can imagine. So, as I, I was about 19, and I decided that um, I, I dropped out of uh, the opportunity to go to university. I was I had a, a conditional place to go to a really good art school in um, in London, and um, uh, I couldn't do it. I went to the I went to the um, the interviews, and I felt so anxious down there with my dad and my brother on the way down on the train that when I got to the interview, although I got through the interview and I was offered a conditional place, they did say to me they wanted me to uh, to do a an art foundation course. And at the time, I I just done my A levels. I, I was eighteen, and and so it, it seemed you know, a long way away for me to, to go back to a, a local art school and do a foundation course, then to go back down to London. 
and I got halfway through the course and my anxiety took over and, and I dropped out and I dropped out of, out of um, art school. So I never had the opportunity to go down to London and, and do my, um, my degree in, in graphic design that I wanted to do. But I did go off and get a job and I don't know how I did it because I was very anxious about doing it. Um, anyway, just fast forwarding slightly, two, three years later I decided I was going to go and live in Germany and for an anxious person it was a big step to take but I'd met this um, young lady and I'd been out to Germany for a weekend and although my anxiety was there, I was, uh, you know, it was at a lower ebb and I thought perhaps like this is what I need, perhaps a fresh start will, will change things for me. So I went out to Germany and I actually stayed there for nearly six years but during those six years, I, I worked for the American forces in Germany. Um, and I went to a language school and I went to a university to do some short courses. Um, and I ended up working for the American military. And my anxiety just, it, it doubled pretty much within two or three months. I was having panic attacks, agoraphobia, the, the OCD about eating especially, but counting and, um, and ordering things and, and hand washing and contamination. It was overwhelming and I hid it really well, but it was overwhelming. Um, the depersonalization and derealization was constant. You know, uh, derealization was constant during the days. I'd feel dreamy and I'd feel like I was separated from reality. And the the depersonalization was was horrendous. It would it would come and go during the day, but there'd be times when I, I'd look at my hands and I'd look at myself in the mirror, or I'd um, look at, around in my environment and and feel like I didn't belong there, that it, I wasn't me. I'd question who I was. It was it was absolutely horrendous. And of course, all this time, the agoraphobia was building as well. So I was moving around less and less and becoming more isolated. So eventually, after a long time and after medication and a couple of really serious panic attacks um, and constant panic attacks, but low le lowish level ones, really, I decided to go back to England. And when I got back to England, I, I packed everything up and it, it was like all, all hell broke loose. And I was very quickly medicated. The GP in the local surgery prescribed me diazepam and then um, Zispin and then uh, Prozac and then a drug called Stelazine, which is actually meant for, for psychoses. Um, and and uh, that made me feel like I was tripping. It was horrendous. So this went on for a couple of three years. And um, I'd met my present wife, Beth, uh, um, who was at that time my girlfriend, and we'd started living together. It was impossible to live at home. There was so much going on there. And I felt such a, a sense that my environment was really impacting on how I felt. So um, this is when it all kicked off. I, the drugs weren't helping me. I was taking one drug to counteract another. I was having CBT. I was, having, I was seeing an NLP practitioner. I was having regular hypnosis. I was doing Tai Chi. I'd had I'd been seeing immunologist. I was having I had the laying on of hands. I had you know spirit healing. I was doing all sorts of things that that just didn't help. And I now know why they don't help, of course. And and with the you know the tens of thousands of people that we've helped, we get lots of data coming in that tells us an awful lot about people's experiences and also what works and what doesn't work. Um, but ultimately, I was an absolute mess. I mean, I really was a mess. And I, at one point, I didn't leave the house for maybe maybe three or four months. And I was pretty much chained to this radiator in the living room, uh, wrapped in a duvet. And Beth used to drive home six miles at lunchtime just to take me to the toilet to pee and then put me back in my in my duvet next to the, to the radiator. And I'd just sit there and watch TV. I was... Um, I was five stone more than I am now, which is, you know, around 70 pounds more. And I was medicated heavily. I looked a mess. I wasn't eating properly. I couldn't walk unaided. I couldn't leave the house. I was, I was just a complete mess. 
Um, and I decided that enough was enough. I mean, I've got one of those obsessive brains. I mean, I was born with attention deficit disorder, which, you know, caused problems at school. But in adulthood, um, you know, it really wasn't that apparent. But what the one way it did show, um, appear in me or become or manifest in me was that it makes me um, really focused on learning and understanding. I'm, I'm very, very focused on wanting to, to, to dissect everything to, make, to understand how it works. And one day I was sat there and I said, you know, I said to myself, you know... Charles, you're too scared to live and you're too scared to die. You take no, you, you don't do anything. You don't take any action to, to rectify this. So you've just got to find the truth. You know, you, you've got to find an answer. I, I knew that people had, had recovered from anxiety disorders. And despite my CBT practitioner and my local community psychiatric nurse and my doctor and everybody else telling me that I have to learn coping strategies and it was all about anxiety management, I knew people that had recovered. In fact, my aunt had recovered and she was completely normal again. There was, she had no anxiety, and she was, she was hospitalised at the time. And I thought, well, if she can recover, then so can I. What did she do? So I went through a process over about, about three or four weeks, doing some really intense um, uh, research into the, the true nature of, of the emotion of fear and how the emotion of fear is created and what happens in the brain to create it. And, it, and by chance, I also um, uh, plucked up the courage, courage to do a couple of days at a volunteer centre and it was what I discovered at that volunteer centre. It was something that happened to me at the volunteer centre. And I can't go into, into you know, the long story about what happened, but ultimately it made me realise that um, the, the, the interaction between the creative part of the brain and the part of the brain responsible for the anxiety control, the anxiety control mechanism in the brain, which is part of the, the endocrine system that, that creates the hormones and, and controls our emotions and controls how we respond when we're emotional you know, physically respond. So when the emotion of fear activates, obviously we take action to, to mitigate, to re reduce the, the chances of us coming to any harm. You know, this is a chemical thing that happens as a response to, you know, incoming data from our senses, our eyes, our ears, our nose, our mouth and our skin. And they send back data to the subconscious and then emotion is released to respond to that, whatever it is in the environment. And it's the way the body works. It's just a natural way the body works, and everybody's body works in the same way. So when I realised that there was a, um, a, you know, a very very strong um, connection between creative intellect and the creative part of the brain, and the part that causes the anxiety response, and you'll know this because you get what if thoughts, and those what if thoughts are then embellished. You say, you know, what if, and, you, and it might be, what if the dog bites me. But, you know, an anxious person says, what if? What if the dog bites me? What if the dog bites me and there's an infection? What if I get the infection and I die? What if my children don't have a father or a mother? And that's the way our brains work because we're anxious people. That's, that's not normal. We are in a very small percentage of people with this creative intellect. And it's only these people with this creative intellect that can suffer from an anxiety disorder. And when I realized this, I created what is now called the Linden Method. And... The reason that we get so many referrals from doctors and psychologists and clinics and the reason people come from all over the world to come to our retreats and our workshops and the reason that I travel around the world seeing, um, seeing clients in far off places and working for media agencies and uh, you know I do work in TV studios and film studios and, and off stage at concerts and um, you know with artists and with industrialists and also with politicians. The reason I work with these people and the reason they come to me is because I think I'm pretty much, well I am the only person in the world that's created this program based on this simple science and uses this technique to cure people. And the reason that these people all want me is because I cure people. 
you know, the music industry, for example. Um, I was brought in to, to help one guy that was having panic attacks before he went on stage. I can't mention his name, obviously. And um, I cured him in two sessions. So, you know, obviously his management were pleased because it wasn't going to cost them money. It wasn't going to mean that he had to, to leave and go and do something else. And I fixed him. And then from that, a sports person came to me. It was actually an international footballer. And um, the same thing again. The, the management were very concerned. This guy had a value of tens of millions of pounds as a footballer, and yet he wasn't able to play. So I fixed him. And then somebody else. And it, that's how it's happened over the last 15 years. This has snowballed. And I've, you know, I've helped a lot of actors, both here and abroad, a lot of film stars, a lot of sports people. But more than that, I've helped tens of thousands of normal people like you and I to recover. And the reason that they recover is because they do what their brain is pre-programmed to do. And it's that simple. Are you going to find people that it's failed for? No, it never fails. It never fails. People fail, but it never fails. In order for this to work, you have to do it. And you have to do it in a set way. And it's very, very simple. We've got kids of 7 to 10 doing it every day without any problem at all. It's very, very simple. But you do have to do it. And by the nature of the, you know, I'm an ex-sufferer. I know how anxiety sufferers feel, and so do you. By nature of the fact that they suffer from anxiety, they have fear. And this fear can prevent them from doing things physically, because they feel incapable of doing them, even though they are entirely capable, or doing things emotionally, because they feel that it could have an emotional response. It could cause more fear. Or also that it's their last chance. They think, I can't start this program because what if it's my only chance for it to work? Well, if you've tried psychology and medication and, and hypnosis and all these things and, and they haven't worked for you because they can't work for you, and I won't go into the, 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 the psychophysiology of the brain, but I mean, ultimately, all these things like CBT can't work because, and they don't work because there's a, there's a, a very, very um, clear um, scientific reason why they can't work um, and, and that's why so many people fail using them because they can't cure an anxiety disorder because by their very structure they actually perpetuate anxiety disorders and some of them don't touch it at all they're just completely pointless so in order to become cured you have to do what the brain is waiting for you to do and it is waiting it doesn't want to be anxious like every emotion it's supposed to switch on in an instant, happiness. You see something funny, it's on in an instant, you laugh, you joke, you have a good time, and then it switches off and you switch to a different emotion or you move forward in life. That's the way the emotions are supposed to, are supposed to work. And, and anxiety is no different. When something threatening happens, it's there. You take action. And when it's gone, it switches off. That's how quickly you can switch off the emotion of fear. But only if you know how to do it. Because in you, because of your creative intellect, and because of the resource that you have in your brain, you were always um, predisposed to developing a high anxiety condition. And you just developed it when you developed it. You could have been 2, or you could have been 22, or you could have been 52. You could be in your 70s. But at some point, you had the potential to develop an anxiety disorder, and you did. And the only thing that is stopping you from being anxiety-free now Completely anxiety-free, like I am now. After 27 years of suffering, I cured my anxiety disorder in less than two weeks, in its entirety. My panic attack stopped in one day. I became uh, um, agoraphobia-free in less than a week. Why? Because I did what my brain was expecting to happen, and that's what I'm going to teach you. And like I said to you before, there are people that fail, 
They're very few and far between, which is why we provide the support with our qualified staff, because not only are they ex-sufferers, they're also qualified psychologists and psychotherapists, and they've helped tens of thousands of people like you to recover. That's why I provide them, because they have the most enormous resource of anxiety recovery information in them that you can tap into at any time. And you have the process given to you in, a, in, in very, to, very easy to watch video segments that I've created. You just watch them, about three videos, very short, less than 10 minutes each. And you then start the process. And within a day, you're going to be doing exactly what your brain needs in order to switch off the anxiety. And with compliance over a couple of three or three days, you will see that your anxiety levels won't just drop. You will feel compelled to move forward in life and you'll become excited about all the opportunities that are opening up. If you don't do it, it won't work. It's like being a piano teacher. I can show you the piano, I can teach you how to sit at it, put your feet on the pedals, I can even teach you how to, how to read music and place your fingers on the keys. But the one thing I can't do is wiggle your fingers. Because the way you learn to play a piano is to send data up your fingers to your subconscious and program your brain that this finger position creates this key, this finger position um, creates this key, and that when you join them together it creates a song. That's how it works. You can't watch videos of people playing the piano and learn to be a pianist. It just won't happen. You have to physically do it. Is this threatening? No. You won't feel threatened by anything I ask you to do. You won't be asked to go anywhere, write anything down, do anything. It isn't about flooding. It isn't about exposure therapy. It isn't any of that. Is this like NLP or, or CBT? No. You won't be asked to write anything down, keep anxiety diaries, rate your anxiety, focus on your anxiety. It isn't like NLP in that you're trying to change your thoughts in order to change your emotional responses, and CBT tries to do the same thing. You cannot change your emotional responses by changing your thoughts. Fact. And anybody tells you otherwise is wrong, and they're misleading you. The only way to recover from an anxiety condition is to do what your brain's expecting, and that is to send data into your brain that tells you that you are safe. And when you do that, it switches the anxiety off. We've helped well over 150,000 people now, just through the home learning program alone. Thousands of people through our retreats and workshops, and, and tens of thousands of people outside of that. You have to understand that there is only one cure for high anxiety conditions, and that is your body's own anxiety reduction mechanism. That's the only cure. In the same way as the only cure for a cut hand is your body's ability to mend the cut. It doesn't matter how many plasters you put on it or how much ointment you put on it. Ultimately, it's your body's ability to seal that skin back together again that cures you. And it's pretty much what well, it is the same with every single human ailment. Okay? So the only way to switch off the emotion of fear is to do what your body and brain are meant to do. And you will do that given the structure that I give you. Okay? I hope that really makes sense. Because I'm sat here now, and, and the, the emotion that I feel is the one that I feel every time I direct somebody to curing their anxiety. I know that myself and my team cure anxiety disorders, and we achieve that every single time. If the human person that has a human body with human emotion, human physiology, does what we tell them to do, and we really have never failed. I really want to help you to become anxiety free. That's why we offer the programs, the home learning programs, with a money back guarantee. 
because we know that we will cure you. And the only way we, you, you're going to find that out is by doing it. And what we do is we try to mitigate the, the risk to you by saying, we've been around 15 years, we are a group of very professional people, included, including psychotherapists and psychologists and doctors. We've been around for a long time. We've got registered businesses. We're insured. Um, you know, the staff are BACP and BPS accredited. We're, you know, we're endorsed by doctors and psychologists and academics. We've got loads of, of um, you know, testimonials from, from uh, celebrities and even from aristocracy. Um, I have my own TV series. I'm published by Hay House Publishing. Um, you know, you might have seen me on Gokwan's TV series or my own TV, TV series, Stress Less. You may have seen me in the news or in the Times newspaper, Colour Supplement, or in one of the other newspapers, the many newspapers I've been in. You may have read one of my columns or read one of my books. However you've got to me, we are the people we say we are. You can pick up the phone any time and talk to us. And I just feel incredibly passionate about curing anxious people. It's so, so simple. And I really want you to take advantage of it. You can email us or call us at any time at all. But please just understand that you can be anxiety free. And that's exactly what I want for you. So move forward. Be reassured and take care. And if you need us, you know where we are.